You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. But what about those small business masterminds who succeed at making their money work harder? They do that by having a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, which now earns 5% annual percentage yield. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. It can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. Live from our nation's capital. This budget thing is going to do nothing. Space Force, I still think it's interesting. President Trump not playing his cards yet. Headlines, policy, and politics colliding. Bloomberg, sound on. The insiders, the influencers, the insights. I would rather see a congressional solution. It's part of my DNA. The Senate map in 2020 looks a lot different than it looked in 2018. You really have a divide within Team Trump. The president has to do exactly what people sent him here to do, which is to get it done. This is Bloomberg, sound on. With Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2. World Series week. Let's go, Nats. Uh, not till tomorrow, though. President Trump says that China is signaling for trade talks that are on target for a November deal. Meanwhile, White House senior officials signaling that those tariffs come mid-December might be off the table. The latest positive, positive U.S.-China trade news, plus the latest on the 2020 campaign trail. Tyler Pager's here. He's finally in one place. He's always on the road traveling, but he's back from Iowa, back from New Hampshire. Tyler Pager, Bloomberg News, national political reporter, fresh off that big scoop that he and his colleague have today with regards to Pete Buttigieg. Mark Zuckerberg was telling Pete Buttigieg's campaign who to hire. Can't make it up. Luis Schiavone's here. She's a journalist and senior lecturer at Johns Hopkins University's Cary Business School. So much to get through. The latest with Syria as well. We're going to talk about that coming up, but we got to start with trade policy, Luis, our favorite subject. Did you see all the trade headlines today? No. So President Trump, I'm at the White House earlier today, and President Trump and senior administration <laughs> officials have signaled that essentially things are going well, or as good as they can be going, with China. I'll read now from our report out on the Bloomberg term Terminal. Justin Sink and Jordan Fabian reporting, quote, President Donald Trump said China has indicated that negotiations over an initial trade deal are advancing, raising expectations that the nation's leaders could sign an agreement at a meeting next month in Chile. So, Meanwhile, you've got uh, Larry Kudlow speaking on Fox Business earlier today, saying that you could have the December tariffs actually not increase come mid-December, provided things go well. And you take that coupled with the developments of the other week where they have agreed to phase one of the trade deal. And hey, we're starting November or heading into November doing pretty well, huh? Are you asking me? Yes, Because please. Uh, these um, headlines are the same headlines that we've seen for the past uh, maybe month or more. Every every headline you see about trade, every other headline is things are moving apace and uh, things are looking good and it, it looks promising. And why is, why is the White House saying that? The White House is saying that because uh, many sectors of our economy are really taking it on the chin with all of his trade policies. People are concerned that it's going to hurt their bottom line. It already is hurting their bottom line, especially in the states that supported Trump the first time around. And he's got to show that he's not abandoning them. But let's see what happens. 
Well, the U.S. stocks traded near their highs for the day after President Trump's remarks. Uh, the S&P 500 was up 0.6 percent uh, following President Trump's remarks. And I, I want to correct myself. It was Wilbur Ross, Commerce Secretary Wilbur Ross, who made those remarks earlier today on Fox Business. You know, Tyler, when you're out on the campaign trail and you're in a lot of these flyover country states that Luis was referring to, most of the polls suggest that uh, the president hasn't lost support from Republicans. But what are the what are you hearing from Democrats and how trade is resonating on the campaign trail and the differences amongst the candidates? They all say Trump's bad. But how does Buttigieg differ with a Warren on trade? Yeah. So that's one of the big issues you hear, especially in a state like Iowa, where the first caucuses are held. And it's the all important state for so many of these candidates in this historically large field. And I think Democrats are, are, are frustrated to a certain extent that more Republican leaning voters are not already giving up on Trump on the issue of trade. Obviously, as we know, this issue is disproportionately impacting farmers ac across the country, particularly in rural communities because of these tariffs. And a lot of them are still standing by the president saying that they're they're optimistic that a deal is going to get done and it's going to be um, really beneficial for them moving forward. And I think but, but one of the things with the Democrats is they haven't really articulated, for the most part, a clear policy on trade. No. All of them are very quick to say trade policy or foreign policy by tweet doesn't work. That's an Elizabeth Warren classic. But you don't really hear specifics about how they would do it differently. You know, I, th I think what's interesting as well is just and, and with the exception of Bloomberg, of course, um, so much of the uh, of the media's reporting on this, Luis, is is all about, oh, how it's hurting agricultural states. Well, actually, if you look at big agriculture and you actually get into the weeds here, big farms and large farms that are relying upon government subsidies, for example, have really been doing quite well in the Trump administration, provided that they've received all of these allocations and, and government handouts, for lack of a better word, coming from the government it's, and, and subsidized funding as a way for the president to say, hey, just hold off a second as I continue to negotiate that it's the smaller farmers. It's those farmers in outside of Des Moines that potentially maybe are a bit more progressive leaning in nature. The ones that Tyler's talking to when he's covering the Democrats, those are the farmers that are having a bit more of a rough time. And I think it's going to be interesting to see if the president can get China to hit pause at least for the next 13 months before Election Day. Well, it's is it the farmers who did not benefit from the thrust of uh, Trump's quote unquote tax reform? I mean, um, we're you're talking about people who are in the middle who are being hurt by this and uh, being hurt by uh, all kinds of uh, trade policies and uh, tariff confrontations between the United States and uh, the rest of the world. You know, though, I, I find it interesting. Elizabeth Warren. Bernie Sanders. By the way, did you see that rally up in New York? Were you at the New York rally? I was not. I was in New York with Joe Biden, but, uh, but not at Bernie's. Well, hey, no offense to Biden, but the big news was with Bernie over the weekend. AOC, did you see that crowd? And they said, the campaign said 25,000 people, which would be the largest rally of the cycle. Don't tell Trump. Um, but you, you talk to Bernie's people. You talk to Warren's people. You talk to, to a lot. Even to some extent, Buttigieg, they're not taking tariffs off the table. Tariffs are here to stay. If you're trying to price this in the long term, uh, tariffs are now a part of of American foreign trade policy. Yeah, they are not shying away from tariffs. If you ask most most uh, Democratic presidential candidates, they'll say tariffs are one tool in the toolbox that are at their disposal. Um, and that's different. That in and of itself makes the Chamber of Commerce cringe. Did you see this other flip flop over the weekend about Doral? I've got to play. So we end the week on Friday on Sound On, and we hear President Trump's going to have the G7 at Doral. 
You follow this? Yeah. yeah. Then right. over the weekend, Great he starts story. he starts tweeting, you know, because it wasn't just Democrats who were criticizing him over this, but Republicans were. Republicans are exhausted defending him. I mean, <laughs> so that, I don't mean to laugh, uh, but so then he tweets out over the weekend that he's after a lot of thought. He's not going to have the G7 at Doral. He might have it at Camp David. Take a listen to what President Trump said earlier today about switching the G7 from Doral. Here he is. It would have been great, but the Democrats went crazy. Even though I would have done it free, saved the country a lot of money. Then they say, oh, but you'll get promotion. Who cares? You don't think I get enough promotion? I get more promotion than any human being that's ever lived. You can hear even some of the reporters chuckling. Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer responded, here's the top Democrat in the Senate. He never should have proposed Doral to begin with, and he ought to be focusing, instead of on what country club or place the G7 meets, at curbing ISIS. We in New York know the danger that a small group of evil terrorists can do. Well, I mean... Huh. Well, that is really too wildly different things to talk about. <laughs> All right. Louise Stay. I, I, Louise Stay, Tyler Stay. Download the Bloomberg Sound On podcast. I had to cover Doral. Download it on iTunes at Bloomberg.com or by downloading the Bloomberg Business app. You can also find us on Radio.com, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. I'm Kevin Cirilli. I guess I'm not going to Doral. You're listening to Bloomberg 99.1. You're listening to Bloomberg Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2. Show me something that, that, that is a crime. If you could show me that, you know, Trump actually was engaging in a quid pro quo outside the phone call, that would be very disturbing. That was Senator Lindsey Graham, a Republican from South Carolina, speaking earlier in an interview on an episode of the Axios show on HBO. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio. Tyler Pager's back from the campaign trail, Bloomberg News national political reporter, and Luis Schiavone, journalist and senior lecturer at John Hopkins University Carey Business School. All right, so a lot to get through. There you have Lindsey Graham defending Luis, President Trump, on the impeachment issue. But not so much, not so much on Turkey. However, Republicans now, they're hopeful about what the president has negotiated with the ceasefire with regards to Turkey. I'm going to play for you Senator Graham and what he said uh, on Fox News Sunday morning with Maria Bartiroma, what he said uh, yesterday to her about that. Here he is. I am increasingly optimistic that we can have some historic solutions in Syria that have eluded us for years if we play our cards right. I'll blame Erdogan for, for the invasion, not Trump. So uh, so that's Lindsey Graham defending President Trump, the leader of the Republican Party, who's surprised. So, uh, but, you know, the argument can be made and has been made that all of this came to pass because of the deal that President Trump made with Erdogan to begin with. So here we are at this juncture, and it really has been problematic in terms of war and peace, in terms of uh, terrorism, who's on whose side, and in terms of immigration. You know, migration is is going to, to ramp up again from this part of the world. You know, I was struck about this, Tyler, because so you get this ceasefire, right, this five-day ceasefire that uh, Vice President Mike Pence, Secretary Pompeo, Secretary of State Pompeo, that they had negotiated last week. We get conflicting reports about whether or not Turkey— is agreeing 
to this ceasefire or if they're violating this ceasefire in northern Syria against the U.S. Kurdish allies. And the response was incredibly quick from Democrats, from Republicans like Senator Graham, like Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell in condemning the president's actions. The president pushed back against that following his cabinet meeting earlier today at the White House. Take a listen to President Trump on Syria. We never agreed to you know, protect the Kurds. We fought with them for three and a half to four years. We never agreed to protect the Kurds for the rest of their lives. See, what's interesting about this, I mean, when you have prominent evangelicals like Franklin Graham coming out and saying to hit evangelical community, please pray that the president changes his mind. Uh, it's not just Democrats, Tyler, that are that are against 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 this. Right. And I think that's a, obviously a big moment here. And we've seen for the large part of the Trump presidency, Republicans have been staunch defenders of, of most of what he's done. And the president's had a particularly perilous point right now as he faces an impeachment inquiry from House Democrats. And so he needs these Republicans to stick by him, um, particularly as this investigation ramps up and potentially as the House moves towards voting on, on articles of impeachment. And so I think we've seen now two examples here, one in Syria and then two with Doral, as you were mentioning earlier, where the the president has ceded to some pressure from Republicans over things that, that he's done that, that have made them unhappy. You, know, you have to wonder at what point do the Republicans in the Senate decide, look, if he does one more thing that we just we don't even know where that came from. How how much do we have to stand by this guy in all of these very tough the issues that that accompany imp impeachment? You know, they've got Mike P Pence standing by in the wings. Luis, you know, I feel like we're at Billy Martin's Tavern and we're debating politics or, over, or pizza. We always have pizza. We don't have pizza at Billy I Martin's. Know. True, we have pizza up here. You have that chicken and avocado sandwich <laughs> at Billy Martin's. And the fried green tomatoes. <laughs> um, what was I going to tell you? Oh, but... But listen, these lawmakers, these senators in both parties, they don't represent the Washington chattering class. They represent their constituents. And these Republican senators in particular are, are representing states where the president remains deeply popular. And you can't cover impeachment in a Washington vacuum. You look at these polls. You look at the Republican base. They are clearly unified behind President Trump, just like you look at the progressive polls. And they are clearly unified behind behind Democrats looking into the impeachment inquiry. But we can't litigate impeachment through the lens of the beltway. Yeah, no but Kevin, it's called leadership. I mean, they are elected to be leaders. They are elected because they know things. They are in a right. position to know things. All right. Uh, okay, so I, you can't cover Syria nowadays without talking Tulsi Gabbard and Hillary Clinton, Tyler. What is going on with Hillary? You're rolling your eye. I wish everybody could see Tyler Pager's eye roll. It's not an eye roll. It's more like his eyes just wide. But I widened. love that story. And that is an awesome story. So what's going on? So, so Hillary Clinton promoting a children's book, nonetheless, with her daughter Chelsea, I guess gave an interview to a podcast, not this one, and, and said... <laughs> That Tulsi Gabbard but, but, uh, is a Russian agent. Hillary Clinton is definitely invited on Sound On with Kevin Smith. Absolutely. Well, she wearing it right now. Wait, but, but seriously, what's going on? Why did she do this? How is the Gabbard campaign reacting? I mean, Tulsi Gabbard, I mean, he, to start, Hillary Clinton made some reference about uh, her one being a Russian agent. Being a Russian agent without naming her. Well, and agent it was, or I mean, asset, I asset, think. Yeah. Asset, asset, asset and, sorry. And Tulsi Gabbard just lit her up on Twitter. Um, this is just... And publicly. And publicly. I think there are more important issues to, to cover in the yeah, in, but, in, in politics. But but I understand Hillary Clinton is, is Hillary Clinton, and, and what she does is, is going to make news. And so I just... 
I mean, it gives more air and oxygen to Tulsi Gabbard. She got a lot of coverage this weekend right. in Iowa, and she had the chance to respond. And she got some defenders, but a lot of people, particularly the other Democratic primary opponents, were trying to turn the page a little well, bit on that. you know, Pete Buttigieg was on Meet the Press yesterday with Chuck Todd, uh, and he was asked about this. He's also a veteran and has, has served overseas, as has Tulsi Gabbard. And I was really struck that Buttigieg essentially – said he was uncomfortable with Hillary Clinton's comments but didn't forcefully push back. I was really struck by that. Do you think that was a missed opportunity, Tyler? I think he is very delicate about the words that he uses um, and doesn't want to be seen as picking sides or, or really creating controversy there. there are bi- I think the, the bigger thing for a lot of these other people is Tulsi Gabbard is polling within the margin of error. Yeah, but Hillary Clinton's going to be in the in this cycle regardless. Yeah, her presence is, I mean, she is inserting herself into the, the primary cycle. She's not endorsing anyone, but but I think this is something that we're going to continue to Luis, see. do you think it was a missed opportunity for Pete Buttigieg to not say that, that you know, saying a, a veteran of the United States military is a Russian asset is... is off limits. I think it's classically the way he plays everything. And I would like to see Hillary Clinton offer some really solid evidence of the accusation. I mean, the woman, Tulsi Gabbard, is a sitting member of Congress and, a, a, you know, a, a veteran of of our armed services. So to say that is really a very shocking thing. And just so people don't think we're all over the place here, this is specifically, Luis, over Tulsi Gabbard's foreign policy assertions with Syria, which really is what triggered Hillary Clinton in making this comment because of how Tulsi Gabbard has met with Assad and how she has advocated for a a more libertarian-leaning, Rand Paul-esque approach to foreign policy. But how how that makes her a Russian asset, I mean, it sounds so Manchurian candidate, doesn't it? I mean, uh, what what is the point of saying that unless you're really trying to mess up Tulsi Gabbard for some reason? I mean, who is when I heard that, I thought, well, who who is Hillary Clinton's candidate? That's who I want to know. Is it Elizabeth Warren? Is it Joe Biden? Who is she backing? It just seems so incredibly random. All right, coming up, we're going to talk more 2020 uh, with our panel, plus the latest on impeachment. Download the Bloomberg Sound on podcast on Apple iTunes at Bloomberg.com or by downloading the Bloomberg Business app. You can also find us on Radio.com, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. I'm Kevin Cirilli. You're listening to Bloomberg 99.1. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. Athletes, actors, artists. But what about the people behind the scenes? You know, the ones who make it all happen. The lighting engineers, the sideline photographers, the caterers, they're small business masterminds. And if there's one thing they have in common, it's making their money work harder. That's why they have a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, where they are now earning a generous 5% annual percentage yield. Yes, 5% APY. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. You're listening to Bloomberg Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2. It wasn't until I heard of a man by the name of Bernie Sanders. question and assert and recognize my inherent value 
as a human being that deserves health care, housing, education, and a living wage. That was Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez speaking at a rally in Queens over the weekend, the freshman congresswoman, with informally, formally endorsing presidential candidate Bernie Sanders. 25,000 people were at that rally. I'm Kevin Cirilli, chief Washington correspondent for Bloomberg Television, Bloomberg Radio. Tyler Pager is back from the campaign trail, Bloomberg News national political reporter, and Luis Schiavone, the one and only Luis, journalist <laughs> and senior lecturer at John Hopkins University, Carrie Business School. Tyler, no surprise that AOC, <coughs> excuse me, no surprise that AOC is endorsing Bernie, but I mean, it really has injected some some fuel into his campaign and maybe a missed opportunity for Elizabeth Warren. Yeah, I think it's huge for Bernie Sanders, obviously, coming back from having a heart attack and questions about his viability in a crowded presidential race, particularly as Elizabeth Warren, his chief progressive rival in the race, has really risen. And so this endorsement from AOC and from Ilhan Omar are two young um, women of color at the forefront of the progressive Democratic Party. And their supporters vote. I mean, their supporters vote in caucuses and primaries. Right. Definitely. I think the thing that remains to be seen is, is how does that play in a state like Iowa and New Hampshire? Those are two states that Bernie Sanders needs to do really well in. Are AOC and, and Representative Omar going to join him on the trail? Yeah. Are they going to be able to rally supporters in Iowa and in New Hampshire, where, where the senator really needs to do quite well? Um, particularly as and Cardi B. His, <laughs> Seriously, though, Cardi B endorsed him. Yeah, particularly as as his numbers ha- have dropped in the polls. And, and it remains to be seen whether this is his core base of supporters or, or whether or not he can expand his base from, from 2016. Okay, so that's a, what's happening on the left front. Let's talk about the centrist front. Okay, you've got Joe Biden not raising enough money and Buttigieg, I guess, now trying to jockey for the alternative. How's that playing? Yeah, so I, I think we saw the poll today where Buttigieg rose to third in Iowa within the margin of error of being right up there at the top. And so I think it's— So who's ahead of him? So it's Biden, Biden and, and, Warren. and Warren, and yeah. he's ahead of Bernie. Yeah, and so I think Buttigieg, I was just in Iowa last week, spoke to a lot of people, and they told me that one of the first names they hear out of out of voters and undecided— people's mouths is Pete Buttigieg. So I think that's someone really to watch in Iowa. He needs to do quite well there. New Hampshire is going to be really difficult for him, given the proximity of, of Sanders and Warren in Vermont and Massachusetts. We know that he does not poll well uh, among voters of, of, of color, particularly African-Americans in South Carolina. So Iowa is the place that we that Buttigieg really needs to shine. And, and we're seeing signs that that could be a, a bright spot for him. He also really hasn't had his, his moment in the sun. So he had his big breakout moment earlier. No, but he hasn't had scrutiny is what I mean. He's had some, but not to the extent that we've seen of, of Biden. or. or Has Elizabeth Warren been able to, to, to beat out a lot of the scrutiny that she's received? Yeah, so I think she's had some really good moments, actually, as scrutiny has come. There was a story um, about from the Free Beacon, I think, a conservative news outlet that said she wasn't exactly fired for being pregnant, and she flipped it around and, and made it into this big moment about having women speak out about times that they've been fired from their jobs for being pregnant. She received some scrutiny, also some the the and the receiving line of some attacks at the last debate. Um, and so I think we'll see as, as she continues to rise in the polls and maintain this co-frontrunner or the frontrunner status, she's going to continue to come under. Luis, you've, you've covered like 8 million campaigns. Yes. So, I mean, where are we now for the Democrats? So I think it's interesting how much weaker Joe Biden has become. Right. That's how it feels. Tyler, would you agree with that? 
I think his his he's de- his front runner status has definitely eroded. There's no question of that. But he's still pulling right near the top. So, so but, the margin but, has it has collapsed. But for Luis, sure. not to, I just so, wanted to get Tyler's take on that because he spends a lot of so time. So what's interesting is how the Ukraine thing hurt not only Trump but also Biden. And uh, and what's interesting is how someone like Elizabeth Warren has uh, acquired so much strength. And Bernie Sanders pulling in all those people in New York, he's sort of like the Bob Dylan, right, of, of uh, the Democratic candidates. Bernie he, is the Bob well, Dylan. Well, he's, he's totally a folk hero, but can he translate that into a winning status within the Democratic Party and across the country as a candidate? Let's see what happens. Luis, what's your favorite Bob Dylan song? Um, uh, I, I can't remember the name of it. It's not blowing in the wind, though. Um, Tyler, what's your favorite Bob Dylan song? I wow, no Bob Dylan fans. Uh, I know I have. I'm, I don't, I'm not. Bob I'm not good with name, names. You know the one that goes. Song. It ain't me, babe. Is amazing. Oh no, and I, Forever Young is amazing. I like the one that goes. John is in the basement mixing right. up the mess. <laughs> Coming up, more music and John Dylan from Luis Schiavone, journalist and senior lecturer at John Hopkins University, Cary Business School, and Tyler Pager, Bloomberg News national political reporter, apparently not a Bob Dylan fan. Download the Bloomberg Sound On podcast on Apple iTunes at Bloomberg.com or by downloading the Bloomberg Business app. You can also find us on Radio.com, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio. You're listening to Bloomberg 99.1. This is Bloomberg Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2. Happy World Series Weeks, Washington. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radios. 86 years. It's been 86 years since the last time the Washington Nationals have played in the World Series. Do you believe the World Series is back in D.C.? Headline from the Washington Post. After 86 years, enjoy the ride because anything can happen. Hey, it could be worse. You could be a Houston Rockets fan instead of a Houston Astros fan. Do you see all that mess that they found themselves in in the U.S.-China trade spat? Luis Giovanni's here, senior lecturer at Johns Hopkins University Carey Business School and a veteran Washington journalist having worked for everybody. And Tyler Pager <laughs> also is here, Bloomberg News national political reporter. It's time now for my favorite segment, What's on the Panel's Radar? One day we'll get music for this segment, Christine Barada, our EP. Uh, Tyler, you've got a big scoop. Tell us about your scoop. It's awesome. Uh, Congratulations on the great reporting. Thanks so much, Kevin. Um, Yeah, so the story that we posted online today was that we exclusively reported that Mark Zuckerberg and his wife, Priscilla Chan, sent multiple emails to the Pete Buttigieg campaign, actually, in fact, to his campaign manager, recommending people that they hire, and two of them were hired, both in the data operation. And so we've known for a while- Wait, 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 this is such a key detail. In the data operation, so what does that even mean? For folks in their car on their way home from work, they hear, wait, campaigns have data operations? Now we know what what we, par for the course, right? But but what does that specifically mean? Right, so one of them, his name is Eric Majeski. He's the senior digital analytics advisor and the other one, Nina Warnhoff, organizing data manager. So campaigns use uh, a large amount of data to make decisions about where to spend money, where to organize, how to really run a, a 50 state operation and I mean, focus on the early states. But so these people are part of a large team that collect data, parse through data, code the data to understand voting patterns, understand where to invest resources and time. Did Mark Zuckerberg make any other recommendations to other campaigns? So that is something that we have asked Facebook, and actually Mark Zuckerberg was asked about our story today on a conference call with reporters, and both his spokesman and him 
uh, deflected that question. They have not. So they answered. dodged. They dodged. We do not know if he's made any other recommendations to other campaigns. We have no reporting. Uh, we. Or, or evidence to suggest that he has, but no other campaign has come forward and said, yes, us too, and Mark and uh, his his spokesman have not answered that What question. is the Buttigieg campaign saying in response to the Zuckerberg influence? Yeah, so they are, um, I mean, the, at the beginning they just said, look, this was something, it was unprompted communication from Zuckerberg and his wife, Priscilla Chan. This was something that they just sent us these names over and that they have, recommendations from all sorts of people. Um, so they're saying it's no big deal. You know, we, we hear from all sorts of people. However, Mark Zuckerberg is the most powerful uh, technology, the most powerful CEO of a, of a technology company. And, and Pete Buttigieg is running for president. So I'd and argue... Pete Buttigieg used to work for McKinsey. <laughs> and, and, right? I mean, and, so there's... Yeah, and so, how did I he mean, even know Mark Zuckerberg? So that's the other thing is that they both went to Harvard. They didn't know each other there, but they were introduced by a mutual friend in 2017. And Zuckerberg went to South Bend, Indiana on his 50-state tour and, and drove around in in Mayor Buttigieg's car and, and did a Facebook Live from, from it. So they have known each other for a little bit, but this is the first evidence uh, of any kind of Mark Zuckerberg actively assisting a presidential campaign. I was, again, I go back to the Meet the Press interview yesterday with, with Buttigieg and Chuck Todd. It's, it, you know, now that he's rising in the polls, it'll be very interesting to see how Liz Smith and Campaign Co., uh, how they respond to all of this. Great reporting, Tyler. Seriously, that's such a, a monumental scoop uh, because it really does illustrate uh, Mark Zuckerberg's growing not just political influence, but personal. Pers- I can't stress this enough. Personal political influence from uh, from his meetings with Republicans to, and Democrats to dining with them and now making staffing recommendations. It's very hands-on, no? Yeah, and I mean, I think Mark Zuckerberg is, is uh, a political figure or, or a figure right now in politics that – He's receiving barrage of criticism from both Republicans and Democrats. They're both hitting him over various things. Conservatives say Facebook is biased against them. Mm-hmm. Democrats say that they've mishandled privacy and, and, and their ad policy. So it's a very tense time for Mark Zuckerberg and Facebook. Did any of the campaigns ding uh, Buttigieg off of your reporting? So, uh, yes. Elizabeth Warren and, and Kamala Harris were both asked about it. and yeah, they Something both... tells me Zuck is an, e- is an emailing with Elizabeth Warren. <laughs> yes. <laughs> they both were asked about it today on the campaign trail by reporters. And Elizabeth Warren has long been critical of Mark mm-hmm. Zuckerberg. She hit him again. Kamala Harris was asked explicitly if she would take resumes from Mark Zuckerberg or any other uh, technology CEO. And she said, probably not. She wouldn't do that. But also... Facebook has been running like a real-time political response, rapid response during the debate, for example, as well as others. I mean, it's been fascinating to see how they've how they've tried to respond and how they're strategy has evolved over the last decade or so. Luis, what's on your radar? Well, first of all, Dylan, Subterranean Homesick Blues, that's the name of the song. So I uh, wrote, <laughs> so I wanted to wrap that up. Good. Um, so I wrote a piece for the Los Angeles Review of Books yes. uh, called The uh, Time Has Come to Talk About Oysters. And this is a big thing. It is. And Congratulations. Thank you. I know you've been working incredibly hard on this. Yes, and, for a long time. And really the point is how you, you travel to Scotland. So it, I began with my travels to Scotland, but then I also have taken a very uh, close look at Chesapeake Bay, uh, the harbor area of uh, Um, uh, Baltimore, but really around the world. And what I'm looking at is the decimation of tens of thousands of years of oyster reefs due to climate change, pollution, overconsumption, what people are doing around the world about it, 
who is responsible, who is acting responsibly, and uh, spoke to lots of marine biologists, both in Chesapeake Bay and also in Europe, uh, and went to the Glenmorangie Distillery in the highlands of Scotland where they are recreating an oyster reef. They are acting responsibly, and I spent a lot of time with just one oysterman who works the uh, Chesapeake Bay and talks about what it was like in the 1980s where he thought there would never be an end to oysters, and now he's still working the Chesapeake Bay, and he's always wondering, like, well, where can I find oysters? And uh, so it's, a, it's a and really they, wonderful. They credit, they, they, or they blame climate change. Well, climate change is part of it because, for instance, all this heavy rain that we have reduces the salinity of the uh, of the water, and oysters thrive on salinity. And then, when it gets very dr- when we get a lot of drought and a lot of excess heat, you have this ocean acidification that also kills uh, oysters. So, what I love about the story is, and 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 I really do want to praise your reporting, is because thank you. you take a very contentious issue like climate change. And it, it, it doesn't read as a political piece. It reads as a small business piece, to be honest, and a small business piece that impacts our backyard in the Chesapeake region, but also across the pond in Scotland and all over the world and how small businesses, because those are oyster farmers, small businesses, how they are having to respond in real time to changing climate. Uh, so great job, and and you know it'll make you, next time you're in Hanks, you're going to be thinking when you're eating that oyster. Yeah, you're going to be I thinking can't. about uh, all of that. All right, you know what's on my radar? What? Mitt Romney, Tyler Pager, did you see this? You're writing a lot about tech these days. Caitlin Weber reports on the Bloomberg Terminal. Senator Mitt Romney uses the alter ego Pierre Delecto to lurk on political debates and occasionally defend himself on Twitter. The 2012 Republican presidential nominee for and former Massachusetts governor, he literally has his own fake Twitter handle where he uh, he's only tweeted 10 times according to Slate and in reply to other tweets. But wow, what the heck? So I think this is a funny story. I mean, this is something I think that, it's that, like that interesting. That I think out. it says a lot about Mitt Romney that he's got a fake Twitter account. James Comey had the same thing that the same reporter who who discovered this one. Don't they have a job? Came out, <laughs> came out as well. I Everybody mean, loves Twitter. I'd, I'm on a go ahead, Tyler. I, I, I just I, it came out. She she founded it. It shed some lights on his unfiltered thoughts. There's not too much there, but but I think it's a, a funny little thing. Luis, go ahead. <laughs> it's so cute, right? But where did I he mean, get the name Pierre? For it. Well, where did he get the name Pierre Delecto? No idea. That's the mystery we're all trying to figure Chris out. Chris at CNN. Uh, he says uh, that it's quote unquote truly epic stuff. Wow. I just, I just, it, it really is remarkable that when you, I mean, again, I'm not, no judging, but like, let's, let's elaborate for just a second. Senator Mitt Romney took the time to create a Twitter account where he could tweet things that he doesn't have to say in an official capacity and criticizes the president who tweets whatever he wants, when, whenever he wants, Louise. Yeah, well, I don't know. Only I have in twi- Washington. I have a Twitter account for my now late dog, so... What? Okay. I lost Maggie. Do you have? I'm sorry about that, okay, Tyler. Thank you. Do you? Have anyone? What have they been saying about Pierre Delecto on the campaign trail? I haven't heard anything yet. I think they're leaving that to the the Republican. A retweet is not an endorsement. Thank you to Tyler Pager. <laughs> thank you to Luis Giavoni. I've been I've been on a social media break and I'm a lot happier. <laughs> Download the Bloomberg Sound On podcast on Apple iTunes at Bloomberg.com or by downloading the Bloomberg Business app. You can also find us on Radio.com, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. And be sure to follow Tyler Pager on Twitter. What's your Twitter handle? 
at Tyler Pager, T Y L E R P A G E R. All right, follow him for his reporting on the campaign trail. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody. One more day till World Series kickoff. You're listening to Bloomberg 991. It can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com.